Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends, to Fire on the Earth. I'm Pete Burak, filling in for Peter Herbeck this week. We're talking about discipleship this week, and yesterday we talked about identity and kind of reviewed the story of salvation, and we looked at the narrative of the world compared to the narrative of the gospel and how we can understand each and what each one leads to and how ultimately the story of the gospel is one about transformation. It's one about a change of identity that reveals to us foundationally who we really are as sons and daughters of the king, that we've been set apart, that we've been chosen, that we've been transformed to walk with the Lord here on this earth and then ultimately abide with him forever in all eternity. And as I was thinking about today and where the Lord wants to lead us today, and I'm going to dive into today about what is discipleship. And I'm going to give a whole bunch of different definitions to help us understand what it really means to be a disciple. How can we unpack even that term disciple and and start to live in through that? But I would be remiss if I didn't at least share another just foundational scripture that helps us understand why this path of discipleship has been fashioned by the Lord. Why is discipleship part of his plan and not just kind of a mode at which we operate or a program within the church or kind of a style? No, this is this is what it means to walk with Jesus. And, and it originates from something he's done in us and something he's done for the world. And we can't hear this enough. So if you'll bear with me, I'm going to read a slightly longer passage. It's it's from Ephesians chapter 2. And just and invite you to let the Holy Spirit poke your heart as I read these words and come into uh, faith in what you're hearing. As you're listening to these words from Paul in Ephesians, I invite you to just say yes to it. Say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I love you. And I love what you've revealed here, and I agree with it. So here he goes. And you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the air and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, And so we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Why were we children of wrath? Because we were enslaved to our passions, following the desires of our body and mind. I mean, look at the world. The slavery of our passions is evident everywhere. And not only is it, it's not seen as slavery, it's seen as freedom. That's so backwards. Because listen to Paul, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Listen right now. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. So as we unpack discipleship, and as we understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to be reminded that it originates in something God is doing that he invites us to say yes to, to submit to, to allow for him to do in our lives. Right now, one of the kind of the dirty words in culture is obedience. You know, it's actually celebrated to disobey, to throw off the man, to deconstruct. I mean, even I'm a history major, and that was my degree in, in school, undergrad, and the story, American history in particular, was my, my favorite thing to study. And it occurred to me the other day that deeply rooted into the American story is disobedience. And I'm not getting into whether or not, you know, the founding fathers should have obeyed or disobeyed or whatever, but rebellion is foundational to the American ethos. And you can see evidence of this in all sorts of different places where we love the rebel. We love the the person who's willing to kind of buck off the shackles of conventional society to question things and to, to deconstruct and then reconstruct in our own image and the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps idea that you and you alone are sufficient to thrive. And anyone who gets in your way should be either torn down or run around or ignored. And, and it's just kind of this idea of like building a pyramid of your own making, this pyramid of your own success. And if there's a few kind of cracked eggs along the way, well, that's, that's just how it goes. And what Paul is showing us here is that a disciple takes a very different posture when it comes to their life and it comes to their relationship with Jesus. As the word disciple implies, there's a master who we submit to. Jesus is the master. He's the Lord. He's the king. And we either bow our knee in obedience and say, you are Lord and I am not. Or we rebel and say, I am Lord and you are not. Or we try to do this thing that I think a lot of us do that I've, I've seen in my own life quite a bit that I'm trying to get better at and asking the Lord to heal me of is it's not so much that I am Lord and you are not, Jesus. It's more like, can't we both be Lord? Can't we both kind of have a hand on the steering wheel together? And if you've ever tried to live that way, you know that it doesn't really work very well. That when two people are driving a car, I've never actually seen anyone try to drive a car with somebody else with one hand each holding the wheel. That that just doesn't work. And the same thing with life and the same thing with discipleship. Jesus has to drive the car. Or another way, he, he drives the car and then teaches us how to drive the car exactly as he would and empowers us to do it. Because fundamentally, as we think about what is a disciple, a disciple is somebody who is submitting to a master to say, I want to learn from you. I want to watch you. I want to observe you. I want to be trained by you. And really what a disciple is looking for is to become the master, to be so transformed by the teaching witness and kind of example of the master that I'm able to be you. You know, in the ancient world, there were lots of people who had disciples. Jesus was not unique in the fact that people followed him. And the whole idea was, I'm going to follow you, like literally follow you, watch how you live and model my life after you. Where you sleep, I will sleep in the same vicinity. What you eat, I will eat. Where you stop and sit, I'm going to sit at your feet and listen to you. There was an old Hebrew blessing where they'd say, let you, may you be covered in the dust of your master. And the dust, not, not literally, but more like the fumes and the 
who the teachings and the witness of the master, may it wash over you and cover you such that you look like, you sound like, you act like the master. But the radical difference between following Socrates and being a disciple of Socrates compared to Jesus is Jesus is not just saying, I want to cover you with my teaching. I don't want to just lay a path of, of life for you, but I want to give you the power to become me through the Holy Spirit. Thomas Aquinas had this unbelievable line, and I still don't fully understand, where he says, God became man so that we could become God. That we are, in a mysterious but very real way, as we become disciples of Jesus and temples of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed by him from one degree of glory to the next, such that at the end of our life, the Father sees the Son standing before him for those who are found in Christ. So a way to understand discipleship is we want to live as Jesus would live if he were us. We want to live a Jesus life. We want our life to look like his life. And obviously we don't live in ancient Palestine and the circumstances of our life look very different. But a disciple is constantly asking themselves, how would Jesus speak in this moment? How would Jesus act in this moment? What does Jesus prioritize? Whatever Jesus prioritizes is what I should prioritize. How would he love? How would he serve? How would he navigate conflict? There's some key differences there in terms of, you know, Jesus didn't sin. He's like us in all things but sin. And so there's going to be times where we do not live up to that standard, where we don't live in harmony with the the power that is within us through the Holy Spirit. And, and sin for a disciple is a rupturing, it's a disharmony with our new identity. Instead of living in and through the power and the new identity as sons and daughters of God, when we sin, we step out of that identity, we we kind of confront that identity and and choose something that is not actually in keeping with who we really are anymore. And so a disciple is is constantly asking the Lord to form in us both the character and the competency of Jesus. The character being his holiness, his internal life, his virtue. How did he navigate in the, the world in union with the Father? And we see little glimpses of that in terms of when he's praying on the mountain and how he worships and different moments where he's, he wants the whole world to know that I love the Father. Abide in me as I abide in the Father. So there's this, this sense of living in deep, intimate relationship with the Father. That's the, the character of Jesus. And then you have the competency of Jesus, which is, what are the things that he did? And he actually promises to his disciples that, you know, greater works than these you will do. So one of the things he's training the apostles in and all those who followed him is not just what to believe intellectually and not just what to kind of live in and through internally and spiritually, but behavior change. And that behavior change comes from a deep, loving, intimate relationship that the desire to do good and to bless people, to serve and to clothe the naked and feed the hungry and visit prisoners and all the things that he outlines as kind of necessary elements to serve him, that all originates from love, but it's still an expectation and an outcome of our walk as a disciple that we would not only do those things, but we'd learn and develop a desire to do those things that we would do good not just because it's quote-unquote the right thing to do but because the virtue that he instills in us the relationship that we live in and through with him develops in us a love of the good an affection for correct moral behavior so as we think about a disciple it's somebody who's learning 
the Jesus life, who's following after the master and obeying him. And I want to highlight that over and over again. I mean, Jesus says in John, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. If you want to be a friend of Jesus, you need to know what he's commanding so that you can do it. You can't obey somebody if you don't know what they're asking you to to do. And so that's another way to understand what it means to be a disciple is constantly asking two questions, two questions of a disciple. What's God saying to me and what am I doing about it? What's God saying to me and what am I doing about it? If you look at the lives of the saints, they were preoccupied with knowing the will of God and then they were preoccupied with living in unity with that will. Every step along the way, they're saying, what does Jesus want me to do right now? And how can I do it? <laughs> and what does it look like for me to do it? And how, how can I be radically submitted in obedience to whatever God needs me to do in each and every moment? And we call that sainthood. We celebrate that as the fulfillment of holiness and the fulfillment of kind of a, a life that is transformed by God here on earth because that's exactly what it is. I mean, the saints are celebrated. We look at them, we say, look at that as the model of sanctity, of holiness, because they're not just intimately walking with Jesus personally, but they're aware of God's will and they're living in conformity to God's will consistently, lovingly, and then fruitfully. So this is what it means to be a disciple, to follow after the master, to live the Jesus life, to grow in his character and his competency, and to know what his will is and to live in harmony with that will. I'm Pete Burak. This is Fire on the Earth, filling in for Peter Herbeck. We'll see you tomorrow. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth, would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.